Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. Talk Art Live. Where Talk are we, Robert? Live. Where are we? We're in central London Woo. at the Stone Island store. The Stone Island flagship store. In Soho. Woo. Brewer Woo. Street. <laughs> we should get another cheer from Woo. everyone. <laughs> How are you today, Robert? Today, Russell, I am feeling like a risk taker. Ooh. And I'm also feeling nurturing. Oh, okay. Yeah, which are t- risk taking and nurturing. nurturing. They're quite like opposing things they perhaps, are. but not when you're a gallerist. Ah. And obviously I, I have been a gallerist for like 14 years now or 13 years, something like that. And today we are going to be in collaboration with Stone Island, Freeze 91 and obviously us at Talk Art with two incredible gallerists from London who have set up their galleries uh, in the past few years, I think like 2020 and 20. 2021 respectively and um, it's a really interesting time point because obviously it was the pandemic and everyone's so bored about talking about about the pandemic now but what I think is interesting about that is that often new galleries and really radically cool new galleries often form in times of crisis and in times of like global recessions or um, in times of like political crises all kinds of things so I think it was an interesting time that both these young emerging uh, and very important galleries uh, started out of a very difficult time which was even when you couldn't even have visitors into your gallery so it's kind of like a time to reconsider maybe what do artists need what what is a gallery um because if you can't have people come in the gallery for the first year of your program what does it actually mean to be a gallery and um i think both of them are very radical in their approaches and they're supporting artists that i'd never seen before and international artists that were perhaps showing in london for the first time and in Freeze in October, we got to go and see both their booths and they were both doing their first ever art fair, which was, um, or their first ever Freeze London at least, which was also supported by Stone Island because they've just started this multi-year uh, kind of global partnership for Freeze Focus, which is a special section for emerging galleries. I think for galleries that are under 12 years old. Yeah, born and it's, in or after 2011. Yeah, exactly. And they're in all their uh, Freeze fairs, so it's not just London. You'll also find that section in Los Angeles or in New York, the different Freeze editions, and I think Freeze Soul as well. Yeah, so it's a really exciting time to meet you guys right at the beginning of your journeys in a way. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art... Ginny on Frederick and Public. Hi, guys. <laughs> so we have we have Ginny on Frederick and Public, and that's your your birth names, right? Uh, Ginny's my mother's name, right? And um, the first time I opened a gallery, it was like on this tiny little street called On Frederick Terrace. So that was sort of how it all came about. But your name is actually Freddie Powell. Yeah. Hi, hi Freddie and Harry from Public. Pub- Why that name? It's a good question. Um, I think we were we were musing on the the idea of public institutions being very accessible and open to some degree, and I think we felt that in the commercial sector, you know, there's so many exhibitions that happen in commercial galleries, and and so often people don't know about them outside of the industry. They don't think they can go in. Private views, for example, are not private; they are public. Anyone can come in. So I think we were interested in in taking quite a literal approach to the name. Um, we didn't know it would have kind of any SEO on, on Google because, you you know, pub, public gallery, you'd imagine, would come up as a courthouse or something. You know or, what? I've been know, trying but... to find it actually in the last few weeks and I, I kept searching public gallery East London and then that, that brings you guys that up helps. immediately. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening to this and wants to find you, that's how. Yeah, Ginny that... on Frederick's a much quicker... Yeah, it's like a little uh, less serious... Yeah. Yeah, even your, your like New York Times article, all your stuff pops up. Yeah, it's interesting as well because uh, Public Gallery sort of started out as a studio space. So it's not even like in 2018, because I, I was like, oh, they established in 2020. And Russ was like, no, I know yeah. what they were doing in 2018. And I was like, can you talk a bit about that part as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we, I, I met my co-founder, Alex Harrison, in 2018. We were introduced fleetingly by my cousin's boyfriend, who is a, a childhood friend of Alex's. And Alex had found a space in Hackney Down Studios. So Alex was a uh, motion graphics designer and I was working at Philips Auction House at the time, but had come from more of a curatorial background. Uh, but neither of us had, had worked in commercial galleries before, but we, 
very much wanted to to find a space where we could do shows. We knew a lot of artists that we wanted to show, we wanted to work with. And I think one of the big impetuses was we looked at a lot of artists internationally who hadn't shown in London and we, we didn't quite know why. So we had this studio space and it was kind of a flexible space in the sense we were doing residencies there. We invited these these artists and we had some incredible shows with people like Elizabeth Gleisner from New York, Czech artist Wojciech Kowarczyk's first mm. show in the UK, mm. Rose Nessler, who we now represent in, in the gallery. So it kind of evolved in that sense. And I think after a while we were like, okay, we can do this. We can, we can also look towards finding a, a, a permanent location and and you know, beginning a more traditional approach to, to formalizing a commercial gallery, which, so we, yeah, so we found this great space and we got the keys end of 2019, super excited. And then, uh, yeah, 2020, but we did open, we did open obviously in July of 2020. So it took a little bit of time um, in that regard, but it happened. And you found your space by doing lockdown walks. You come across your unit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we re- I originally found this archway space on Frederick Terrace that did one show before the pandemic, like closed everything down. And then I was living in the Barbican, like it was very glamorous, in my sister-in-law's apartment. And I used to walk around Smithfield Meat Market when we were like submissive and only stayed out for like an hour a day or whatever. Oh, yeah. So we would go around the <laughs> we would go around the meat market like three times. And then yeah, the sandwich shop was just empty. So I eventually like found the person who owned it and they let me rent it. Well, talk, talk about this sandwich shop because it's an incredible space and it's become yeah, incredibly the, iconic. Yeah, the sandwich shop was amazing. It used to be like a hot and cold sandwich, a hot and cold like late night sandwich pot for people. It still who says work- that on, on yeah, yeah. So it, for people who worked in the meat market, because that's like there's like a whole nocturnal indus- industry around Smithfield, yeah, yeah. um, and it was totally tiled. It was like about the size of this table. And, yeah, they somehow allowed me to rent it for, like, basically nothing. So I started programming there in September 2021, I guess. Yeah. And it's actually a space that doesn't have a bathroom. It doesn't have a kitchen. It's literally a room. Yeah. And I love that idea of a gallery beginning because there's something... If you look back at some of the kind of more now-established galleries, like the big hitters who have, you know, multi-million pound artists, a lot of those spaces, when you actually look at the story, started out in tiny rooms. Like Maureen Paley started out in yeah. her house. In their house. Jay yeah. Jopling, even, I know he had a kind of quite a wealthy upbringing in a way, but, like, even his gallery was just a small room in the early days. Um, so it's kind of interesting that you start these galleries. It's more like making a commitment when you open the door. It doesn't have to be a giant building. Yeah, I mean, we I opened it by appointment only at the time because, uh, A, it was COVID, and B, less than four people could fit in there at time anyway. So, I mean, the bathroom thing is hilarious because I've just moved to a bigger location like two months ago and we still don't have a bathroom. So, um, <laughs> you know, dream. I can dream. But, yeah, it was it was really amazing and it allowed to do some really interesting shows in this kind of wild, tiled, like, old kebab shop space. Have you still got that space? No, so I've given up that space, and then we moved just down the street to, like, uh, what was, like, a garage that over the summer I renovated um, into, like, more of a formal gallery with, like, white walls and concrete floors. So when you have white tiles, like, in your old space, um, did that really dictate what kind of shows you wanted to do? Because I felt like I saw one that had, like, leather jackets. Yeah, so some of the shows were, like, really based on the space, and then other shows we were just, like, hire a technician who knew how to use, like, plumber's equipment to, like, (laughs) drill through the tiles and look at it through walls. Um, I mean, I really wanted a gallery that, like, was reminiscent of those, like, kind of early Lower East Side spaces, those, like, tiny little shops and it when I found it it was like perfect so but yeah we used it some people like Eva Gold with her show really encapsulated the space as like part of the installation but then other people the tiles were just there as like walls um and I sort of allowed the artists to do whatever they want with it what are the anxieties of running gallery spaces now money money yeah same for you yeah I think I think you know it's it's a it's a difficult climate as well and and you know you got to pay your rent so what? All the other stuff is quite fun, is it? Yeah. yeah, like scheduling, working out what shows are incoming, getting artists, shipping, and selling. And you, you like well, I'm, selling? I'm very, yeah. I'm very lucky in the fact that my my co-founder and co-director Alex deals with all of the logistics, all of the shipping, all of the financials. Um, so you all just of wear, the invoicing. You just wear Stone Island. So I basically just wear Stone Island. <laughs> I come and do this um, occasionally. No, and you know, so so yeah, so but but no, it's it's you know you've got to you've got to 
pay your rent to keep keep going. And I think that was very much what we felt at the beginning. It was really sink or swim. There was no financial cushion behind us. So we, you know, in, in that early studio space, it was, you know, a short lease. But once we got a kind of 10-year lease on our current space right. with the City of London, um, there's not many ways that can go if you don't pay your rent. So... Yeah. We, we interviewed Roberta Smith, the art critic, a few days ago, and she was saying that it's often the galleries that don't get interviewed or you don't hear about them for kind of practical reasons, obviously, because what they're trying to do is promote their artists, not themselves. And, of course, you have some iconic gallerists that people kind of know as celebrities almost, um, or they're dating a celebrity or something, so they might end up in the newspapers. But I feel <laughs> like it's a really interesting role as a gallery to be someone kind of nurturing and supporting. Um, is that one of the ideas behind why you both set up galleries? Like, did you see it as this scary risk to like finally commit yourselves because i know you used to work at white cube didn't yeah you, i mean I, wor I worked at white cube like for the whole first year of the gallery and like the first i sold i did a show with this painter called tom walsford who's amazing and like sold five small paintings and was like walked into white cube and like quit my job and was like i'm a gallerist now <laughs> um it's not quite what happened but you know <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that's good. a good story it's iconic um <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I kind of accidentally became a gallerist, if I'm honest. You know, um, I went to art school and it all went wrong. So I... Well, you wanted to be an artist. No, I mean, I was 18 and went and studied printmaking in America. So when I left and, like, moved back to London, I kind of got jobs in galleries and then was doing book projects or shows in, like, crazy spaces. Like, I used to do shows in hotel rooms or wow, on wow, trains wow. and, like... Oh, I loved it. Tell yeah, the train so one. It's I did incredible. this stupid show from, like... My parents live in Hartford, so we did the, there's a train line from Hartford East to Liverpool Street, and we did a show where you, a, a work was left at each station, and then we all rode the train and, and viewed it. I mean, they've been historicized as this kind of amazing thing. Like, really, there was like 10 people on the train with me. <laughs> um, but that was sort of led me into eventually like forming these kind of amazing relationships with artists. So then when I opened a space, it was very much a project space, and it's like really slowly grown into this like environment that means I can like represent them or like nurture them in some way. I love this one about you had an exhibition that your mother wore as a necklace. Yeah. The only way you could see the exhibition is if you met your mum. Yeah, that was... Actually Ginny. Yeah, the real Ginny. Um, again, probably only a handful of people saw it, but it was an artist I went to school with and she made this necklace and you would met, go and meet up with my mum to, like, see <laughs> the show. I mean, th my Did your mum is... know that they were doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, my mum is, like, this <laughs> ongoing um, obsession with mine. So oh. that's why it, it all kind of stems from there. But, yeah, it's only recently that, in the last year or so, that it's kind of become, like, I feel like a gallerist or something. It's interesting as well. You were working in a bookshop for a gallery. So you were at White Cube's bookshop. And w w did that inspire the way that you started thinking about artists and how they work, like surrounding um, yourself with their ideas rather than the art object i mean i really liked working at white cube but like it was really just my job <laughs> like um and i started off on the front desk and then like they gave they were like do you want to do the books and it was it was really fun working there a lot of my friendship group now is based from there right. and it was really an amazing time but like i didn't really have day-to-day -day access or like any access to like a lot of the artists they work with like I was really firmly rooted in the bookshop and like I was the buyer so I got to like choose the books that went in the bookshop oh, cool. including the talk art book oh um, my god yeah, yeah. You did. <laughs> wow so the, that was kind of like the main fun bit of my job and then of when I could leave it was like uh, then I started doing Ginny but there, there's not really much crossover in what right. I was doing have you found the art world welcoming because you two are separate galleries and you know each other and you're obviously friends prior to this evening yeah do you find other galleries are supportive of each other and there's a real emerging gallery community i think so i think over the last few years you've seen especially i mean what's been interesting is you've you've had the pandemic obviously we both opened in the pandemic and you're moving into towards a time which is arguably quite difficult in in many many ways um but you you do see i mean even in the last kind of 12 months a lot of galleries have been opening up and I think there is this kind of burgeoning scene of younger galleries in London. And there is, I mean, it, you know, you, you, collaboration is kind of, is, is key. I think, you know, we were speaking a bit before, but, you know, of course you get so busy. I mean, it's an all, we're small stuff, right? So like, we don't have big teams. We are, all, it's an all consuming uh, day to day for us within our own galleries, within our own artists. But mm. so collaboration is an aspiration, but obviously it's it's a key thing to to enact. And I think there's there's definitely a good 
feeling among younger galleries um, in the sense of kind of sharing information, sharing ideas, seeing what could, could foster better relationships. But that's something we, we obviously, you know, the artists are the most important thing. And obviously we look to do that uh, within the, the gallery internationally as well. And, and there's many initiatives that, that do that. Kondo's a great example, you know. We'll talk about what Kondo is then for people... Here. So Kondo was, was founded in 2016 by Vanessa Carlos of Carlos Ishikawa. And really it was this idea, rather than an art fair, it was really this idea that a, a number of galleries in a certain city would host galleries from around the world. So, and they wouldn't be a kind of a commercial transaction between these galleries. It would really be, we're hosting you in a genuine spirit of collaboration. Um, it's a chance to present in this city that you're coming to and vice versa. And over the years, you know, they've, they've kind of started in other cities, which has obviously been, been a great thing. I mean, I still remember coming back from university in like 2016 or 2015 and seeing Condo open. And it was like, almost like this pilgrimage as well around London of like, you'd go to all these different, I mean, I'm from North London, but I, I hadn't been, I don't think I'd ever been to Peckham. Um, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> never crossed the South London divide. But but you know but 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 you know you would make this pilgrimage on the opening weekend and you'd go you'd go to places you'd never been before you'd see galleries in London you may well you probably had seen but you'd certainly see galleries international galleries you'd never come across before and the artists in their program um, so yeah it was this this great genuine thing which is is continuing um, and I think that's a good example of 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 something pretty genuine in the industry mm. yeah I mean I'm always asking everyone for help like. Rose Easton, who runs Rose Easton, is like my VAT guru. And uh, we all use like Art Logic as our inventory systems. And I just like, I literally can't use it. So I often ask Rose that. And then before I worked at YCube, I was like kind of the long term intern at Union Pacific. So Grace and Nigel from Union Pacific are always like on the end of the phone if I have like an ongoing question. Um, but yeah, like tons of us opened at the same time. So yeah, we all kind of know what's going on and like it's, good it's kind of a friendly atmosphere and stuff. And, in most senses. And this is the first year that you did freeze for both of you. So yeah. what, what was that like in the freeze focus section in particular? And I was about to say, because the freeze focus section is almost a bit like Hondo in a sense, because it's got that kind of group of all these young galleries that a lot of the collectors probably haven't even been to yet. Yeah, I mean, freeze is magic, right? It's like you feel like you've arrived as a gallery in London when you're like, you're finally doing freeze. It's art Christmas. That <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and New Year's as well. So, it, um, it, yeah, it was really good. I, I kind of felt a bit, like, young to be doing Freeze, and so when I was accepted, it was really amazing. And exactly, it felt like an arrival of sorts. What's the process to get accepted, then, for Freeze Focus? Um, you apply with, like, a booth and an idea and like you said and it has to be a solo show or a duo show you can't have a group show right yeah i think right. so yeah, yeah 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 you send off this like application into the ether and then you like hope to hear back basically and it's that's, the same with every art fair and that's expensive right because the main art fair i think the booths can be like 50 grand or something right or more yeah yeah depending on size i mean but... rob would know that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah more yeah so yeah i think they he's <laughs> <laughs> crying yeah. Yeah. yeah um i guess yeah the booths are around seven eight thousand yeah so, and that's for the focus section so for someone like stone island coming in as a brand they give a 30 percent bursary to you guys yeah, it, was, it, it was a good year to do it for the first time yeah, because sure. that was that was the first time I believe that happened, and obviously you know it's a it's it's a great thing because you know focus is really as you, as as you say you you do a solo presentation or or, or duo but it's very much proposal led so you you're really trying to do something ambitious and risk taking, and you know that that does fall on young galleries to do that um, in the main section obviously you know galleries do have the luxury of of showing um, you know a, a, a number of works by the artists within their program. Mm. Um, so yeah, you, you're trying to do more of an exhibition really in focus, and it is something very different. And I think Freeze London's focus section is you know, one of the most consistently strong in that regard. And it, and it has been. I mean, they take more, say, than, like, the other freezes of Freeze New York only take, like, 10 galleries mm -hmm. internationally for that section. They take 34, I think. London takes, yeah. like, 34. So it, it really, it's got great global cross-section of, of a kind of pulse of what's really happening with, with younger galleries and, and, and artists. And, yeah, it was the first time we, we both did it. Um, you won the prize this year, the Focus. We 
got the prize. we got the focus stand prize, which was which was great. Congratulations. Um, we also were, yeah we we were we were delighted. We were doing a solo presentation with an artist called Adam Farasad, who we've been working with since January. So um, we had his first solo exhibition at the gallery event. So yeah, it was we we you know we we're honoured he trusted us to do this presentation he's his works very kind of personal mm. and uh, you know it takes a lot of trust to do something like that and we not to plug it as well but tate acquired about four or five works from the booth so wow. that was you know beyond our expectation but again they they had been you know they'd been looking he had an amazing show at the camden art center in 2021 so mm. they'd seen that they came to our solo so it, it's a kind of long-term conversation but yeah Delighted is that something that you're going happened. to keep doing every year, Focus, do you think, until you jump and go into the main we, space? I mean, if we're allowed back in, we'd love to do it. Um, why, yeah. would, why would you not be allowed back well, in? Well, I mean, they, you know, proposal-led. I mean, we've got to come with something. Right. We've got to come with something. I mean, there's no guarantees, but, you know, you'd like, to think, you'd like to think if you win, you yeah. win a few things. Um, and you won something as well. Yeah, we... Jack O'Brien won the Camden Arts Enterprise, yep. so he'll have a solo show there next October. Congratulations. That's amazing. And yeah, what, what, what was it like um, at the fair? Do you actually meet new people that you've never met before? Like, is it quite international? Like you said, Tate came, but do you also meet other museum people? Because I imagine Focus, you might even attract curators who might then show your artists or... Yeah, I mean, I think Focus, you can think about Focus as, as a good way to like start a conversation. Right. And often it's just about like getting in the room with those people or like having, having them be aware of like who you are and what you're doing. And places like Focus is really helpful for that just because of the sheer visitor numbers that come by. Um, yeah, it was great. And something like Stone Island giving us some cash is <laughs> helpful too. And, <laughs> <laughs> I used to joke as well, when I started yeah. working for Carl's Gallery and we did Freeze for the first time, it reminded me, because I was in a band when I was growing up, and it reminded me of going on stage because you're suddenly like in front of this huge audience mm. and it's literally like just passing by the booth and you're really on show. And I don't think people realise how nerve-wracking that is. I remember the first time I ever did it, I was just on like adrenaline, like totally like freaking out, not even knowing if I could sell something. But you just somehow, like a bit like what you were saying, like being pushed into water and you have to swim. Yeah. It's a bit like that. What, what well, is it like on a confidence level for you guys we we did hide so we actually yeah part of part of adam's <laughs> presentation was was to very much conceive of it as creating like a space within a space so we had this huge partition wall which effectively blocked us from anyone seeing into the booth unless you came in i mean on the exterior of that wall was this huge billboard of of staples corner in uh north london um and they, they there was a, a cd lift tower which people could listen to like allyship icons of, of the late 90s like mariah carey janet jackson whitney houston um so to see people actually like realize they can touch things and listen and stuff like that was was great in itself but yeah i it, it, it occurred to me halfway through that this is kind of, although it got like a kind of sardine situation in the booth when everyone came in, it, it was kind of like no one could see us, which at first I was like, we shot ourselves in the foot here. But, um, but yeah, clearly, clearly it seemed to, seemed to chime with people as a kind of antipathy of, of what's usual in the fair. How do you discover artists? Where, where do you look to? I mean, it's a real mix. I think one of the things uh, i mean our, our, our inaugural show was co-curated by two artists um that i really admire harman de judge and Saelia Apariccio. so i think a lot of the time conversations with with artists you know stimulate a lot of new discoveries for for me personally and in fact we every year we we invite an artist to curate a show at the gallery which has been some of the kind of most enriching wow. collaborations we've had but yeah of course you know on a broader level you know we try and see as much as we can in person internationally and and in in london and the uk but we can't ignore the online sphere as well because there's no doubt during the pandemic that that was a a tool i mean i Ginny probably operates a little bit differently because a lot of the artists I've known since I was like 18, 19, 21, 22. So, so there's a lot of friends that you're working with. Yeah, I mean, that's like how the gallery kind of operates. Um, like if I'm working and showing their work, I really want to know them. And it probably operates on a bit more of an intimate level. And, you know, Alexandra Metcalf, who I'm, we're doing her first show next year, but we just showed her at Lister. Like, I mean, we met like our first day of art school and Charlotte Edie I've known like just as long. So... Yeah, I'm figuring out how to have, like, relationships with artists that are maybe a bit more, like, professionally based. But that's sort of where the genesis of the project came from. So keeping that as we, like, grow is 
been really vital, I think. I think you can describe it as being a bit like a marriage. Yeah, know, for when, sure. When you're a gallerist. And I don't think people always understand that you do kind of end up helping artists with like all kinds of things, like even like looking after their dogs or like, you know, if they go... Yeah, and that's they what go... makes it like super fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, you never know what's coming each day. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, like Harry said, like a lot of uh, our, a lot of our shows have like come out from the artists. So Eva used to share her studio with Jack and then I met them like... I met her just when I was at Jack's studio. Um, and, like, Rachel and Alex Marguardin go to, went to the RA together or go to the RA together. So it all kind of happened really naturally. And, yeah, I'm terrible at, like, meeting people I don't know, basically. So they've got <laughs> yeah. really good friends of you and then you represent them. No, the I mean, show. it doesn't have to be quite like that, but, yeah, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but your new space, then, are you looking for an artist, then, that you're not friends with yet to... No, no, yeah, <laughs> no. no. Yeah, anybody, I mean, anybody, anybody, anybody of course, I'm always looking. Like, yeah. Of course, Anyone I'm always looking. But like, friend you. That's yeah, the way I'm to kind do of it. always looking. But like, it really needs to be a natural and like ongoing Where do you relationship look then? through friends of friends. Yeah, basically, like right. that's how I'd like it to be. And you know, sometimes these are conversations I had years ago that like we're just picking up again, or sometimes they're far, really fast friends. I've always remember telling people as well when I've done like crits at Goldsmiths or RCA. I've always said to the artists because they're often like, "How do I get a gallery? How do I begin in the art world?" You know. How do you get eclectic by your work? And I always said to them, you just need to go to private views. Yeah, basically. Like the, the, the first exhibition night where they often have free booze and just hang out with people, talk to other artists and just talk to the galleries. But specifically, don't just go to like random galleries. Go to ones where you actually like the programme, especially emerging galleries, because you're going to actually get to make friends. And that is kind of... The art world has that within it, doesn't it? A special kind of community. Totally. I mean, Ginny, I'm also just one person. I have an assistant like three days a week. So... And I'm not really looking to work with more than, like, six or seven artists at the moment. Um, and it kind of has to be like that. So, I mean, you have a bigger team, so you work with a few more people. Yeah, so, I mean, for, for a long time, it was myself and Alex. Um, but, yeah, we were very lucky this year. We, we brought in a wonderful uh, associate director, Nicole Estilo-Kaiser, um, who's, yeah, it's been great to have that uh, extra perspective um you know it feels i talk about feeling like it's a marriage of artists i mean as a as a partnership as as two co co-directors and co-founders that's also kind of like a a marriage as well you know you 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 know it is a kind of a, a combined vision and you know you have to compromise and and but i think it's in those discussions with your your partner um that you do kind of almost come to some of the most fruitful decisions that you make as a gallery and, and, mm. and in relation to the programme, in relation to the artists. Um, and we're also quite different <clears throat> characters, and I think... Do you have different tastes? Do you ever have to compromise on the taste of the art? Of we, the all, art? we always land in the, in the right place for us, but we, we certainly, you know, there's artists, Alex will propose that I'll feel a bit differently about and, and vice versa. But I think that's what... I think, you know, if it was just Alex or I doing the gallery, you know, it may be very different. It would, would be very different, potentially, and it, 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 it wouldn't be what it is. And I think we're very happy with what it is. And it's, yeah, it seems to land in the right place for us. If um, people are listening to this and they're getting inspired and they're thinking, like, I might want to set a gallery up or at least even put on an exhibition with their friends, what would you say to them? Would you say, like, just try and do it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I first saw Gal Schindler's work in a bedroom. Um, this amazing young... I mean, she's not even that young, but, like, Daisy Sanchez, who's now based in between London and New York, I think, um, she hosted a show of Gal's work in her bedroom. And that was the first time I saw Gal's work, and, like, Gal and I have been working together ever since. So, yeah, I mean, I come from, like, doing crazy exhibitions, so I'm always, like, telling people that's what you should do. Um, I guess I've, al I've always had a complicated relationship with those, like, curatorial degree courses, because I'm, like why don't you just go out and do it and figure it out? So, yeah, for sure, I think go, like, do it in your fridge or in your bedroom or, like, borrow your friend's or house. And let your mum wear it. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, like, really meaningful things can happen from those early conversations. Like, yeah. you, your friends become your peers in a professional way too, and, like, that's where the, the those, like, fun, crazy projects can lead to shows and other things. What are the ambitions for your spaces? This is like the second space then for both you guys. Do you, do you think ahead to what the next potential journey is for you guys? I think, 
like often when we think of ambition and, and, you know, people always throw the word like expansion around and often like it's, it's seen as like physical expansion is indicative of, of growth. I mean, we're very happy in our space. You know, we've got three floors. We're very happy with the, it's, it's a wonderful building. It's an old brutalist late sixties kind of council estate block. And, and, you know, we're, we, we hope to be there for a long time, but we, we don't think of kind of physical expansion in, in, in such a direct way, but we we do think about the growth of the gallery, and really we we want to develop the program um, as much as possible, and and put ourselves in the best position to, you know, provide more opportunities to the artists we're working with. Because I think as a gallery, you you do want you you've got to be you've got to be growing in order to to supply more opportunities. But it's I think it can be you know it can be dangerous to think of that ambition and global domination of, of physical locations i think it growth can be seen in so many different ways so our, you know this year was for example the first year we, we really were doing fairs so we did a few back to back and obviously resulting in in freeze london um next year we're doing our basel hong kong which we're really looking forward to and is that a um, focus section as well or is that yeah the... that's the, the discovery section so they say it's like okay, they, they right. all have their they all have their lingo for it but yeah we're, we're looking forward to that and and again that's a another chance for us to to do something in a different way but it's it's yeah very much focused on growing sustainably given where we're at i guess i would just i would like a bit more help at the gallery when i can figure that out so maybe a staff member or two and yeah i mean i echo his points like it's about sustainable growth for the artists um i i like my current i mean my current space is still quite little it's just massive compared to the sandwich shop so are you in every day uh yeah and it's open all, every day of the week? Uh, no, we're, yeah, we're not appointment only anymore. We now have, like, regular opening hours, um, Wednesday to Saturday. So but you want a day off. That's why you want someone to come in No, no, help. no. I mean, I, yeah, just to be able to keep, like, working with the artists and, you know, um, keep pushing our, like, our, some of the artists I work with are starting to do institutional shows. Wow. So growth in that way, basically, rather than, I mean, yeah, I have no... You ambition. must have great pride for that, though, when that starts happening. Yeah, it's good. I mean, that's, like, it's really meaningful. And that's why I opened a gallery, like... I mean, sales are useful and necessary, but uh, museum and larger public exhibitions are really the goal for, I think, ambitious artists. I'm really into this idea of local art scenes. Obviously, we moved out of London and went to Margate for Carl Friedman Gallery. But um, I'm really intrigued by, because I used to be in East London, mm. and I think it's an amazing place to like, find new art, new ideas, and it's all free. Like Going to both of your galleries is free. And the, the thing I noticed was about a local art scene is you're both next to really giant institutions. So um, Ginny on Frederick is right by the Barbican, who have an amazing exhibition programme, mm. music programme. So it's almost like anyone listening to this who's going to the Barbican, they can also just pop in and see you and then for public you're right by the Whitechapel and I saw the Whitechapel even do a program um, of a kind of like Thursday night or something where it's like open and they promote you guys so is how, how is that like location wise was that kind of impacting your decision to be in East London I mean we we were in East with with the Hackney studio but we we were in no doubt that we we wanted to stay East it definitely felt like the right place for us when we were looking for a space, we, we we wanted it to be accessible in terms of not being too far out, but we were we were really concerned with the kind of space we wanted. We wanted it to be somewhat special in in the way we were thinking. But yeah, it, we couldn't be happier with where we are. And Whitechapel's ten minutes down the road, and we've always had good dialogue with with the curatorial team there. They've been very kind of loyal to supporting the shows and coming through. And and you're right, they they have on one or two occasions sent a bus. Uh, on a Thursday night of, of people to the, really? to the gallery. Uh, so we stay a little bit late and we have, have, have yeah, people come through. Um, and again, you know, some of those people may have been familiar with us in commercial galleries, but some also will not have been. And I think it goes back to what we're kind of looking to do. I mean, for me, it was more like it was just where I found the space <laughs> <laughs> um, in the sandwich shop. But yeah, I really, at the time... My really great friends who run Rita's, Gabe and Missy, they'd opened a sandwich bar oh, called yeah. Bodega Rita's, really close. That was kind of it in Farringdon. I mean, recently some more people have moved to Farringdon, like Amanda Wilkinson oh, is there yeah. now, and um, South Parade, and then just up the road is like Brunette Coleman. So it's kind of got a bit more energy now. But yeah, I mean, the Barbican is super close by, but really it was like just because I found on the lockdown walks. I must say I really admire your spontaneity and your trusting of your instincts almost. You mm. seem to just have a confidence to just go for something. Yeah, I mean, it really wasn't like meant to be a gallery at the beginning. <laughs> like, I had a job. Um, so it, it's, I just kind of stuck there. How did both of you get into art? And why is art so important for you? I mean, I was, 
I was studying uh, in Edinburgh and I got, I got the chance, well, the simple answer is Paul Nesbitt, who was, who was really a, a maverick, maverick curator, a real pioneer. Um, and he ran a, a small non-profit called Enverleaf House Gallery, oh, yeah. which was in the Royal Botanical Gardens in Scotland. And it was an old Georgian house. And already it's got this really weird context of being in the Botanical Gardens, yet having this kind of like 30-year really courageous program of contemporary art um and and the building itself is kind of weird because in i think in 1960 to 1984 it was the original home of the the national galleries of modern art in scotland which was just again talking about space like just this really unusual context for having a national collection of modern art to be housed in what's quite an intimate sized georgian house Mm. um and paul came in i think as a curator there in like 84 and and until 2019 when it lost its funding was was a huge pioneer i mean they had shows with Cy twombly in like the early 2000s louise bourgeois in like 2008 i was there when they did a, a show with franz west a year after he died but also a lot of living artists i mean did a show with nicholas party in collaboration with modern institute when i was there the first show i worked on was dan colon illusion of life in collaboration with gagosian so wow. i just had this this I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was studying in Edinburgh. I was studying history of art, so I did, you know, it wasn't completely random. But um, it was really through Paul um, and through that experience that I kind of even knew what a curator was. I didn't really know what a curator was before meeting Paul um, and also what an exhibition could be. But I think the the main thing for me was just seeing the... And I, I mean, my personal interest up into that point had always been like a more kind of more historical in relation to art so it was the first time that I was really facing contemporary art in that direct sense and really seeing how he worked with contemporary artists and not just as a collaborator but that that connection we talk about as friends as companions doing everything you can imagine for them um in many ways as you know in certain regards um it wasn't just you know so it transcended that and to see that firsthand was really inspiring and I was like okay this is what I would like to do wasn't yeah, it's quite like a sure skill, how. isn't it, to be a facilitator and to help yeah, an artist yeah. realise their dreams. And for you, Freddie, I know you studied at RISD, yeah. which is Rhode Island School of Design, for those who don't know. Um, and America, what, what took you to America? Um, we used to go there a lot when I was a kid. So I ended up going to college there. Um, and I guess, yeah, when I was there, I just met this, like, um, the most amazing group of people. I'm, really, I'm quite one of those annoying people who, like, did just have the best four years of my life in college. <laughs> Um, it was like one long episode of the Gilmore Girls. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I met some really, really amazing people, including an artist who I, who I mentioned earlier, Alexandra Metcalf. And the first time I curated a show was of Alex's work when I was a senior. And, I mean, Alex is, like, one of the most incredible people I've ever met and has really become, like, a member of my family. So she was kind of the reason why I started organising shows. And then um, it's kind of the reason why I have the gallery. Um, so... But before I studied art in school and then wanted to go to art school, I guess, under some illusion of like being an artist. But uh, yeah, I didn't have the discipline or the ability to like spend time in my studio by myself. I think we forget that artists spend so much time by themselves. Um, And when you're a gallerist, you just get to talk to people all day or like attempt to talk to people all day um, about a common interest. (laughs) So it kind of, yeah, it was really, it's all Alex's fault, really. What's been the most surprising thing about the art world? Hmm. Good question. I mean, maybe That's like what you say when you don't know have an answer. Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> find, find some time. Find some time. Maybe it's not the most surprising thing. Maybe it was a kind of knowing thing. But but I think in a in a double edged way, in a blessing and a curse. You know, having a gallery, it is all consuming, and that's that's. I wouldn't say it was surprising. I think I could see, going back to Paul, I could see how he lived and, and what, what, what the programme for him meant and, and his relationship with artists. But it is an all-consuming thing and I think it's, it's, it's not surprising. It's, it's a joy. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work, but, you know, it is good to kind of take some distance occasionally and reflect if you can. But, but again, I, I wouldn't say it's a surprise. I think it's something we, we obviously embrace or, or we wouldn't do it. And I think that's why I have so much mutual respect for, for anyone who kind of starts a gallery mm. because it's, 
it's a lifelong commitment really Um, commitment's the word though i think it's like you dedicate yourself to art and artists and there is no such thing as a work-life balance i can't bear it when you go to like (laughs) lunches or dinners with someone and they're like what's your hobby it's like i don't have a hobby like i'm living my life it's art (laughs) yeah i guess i was most i'm still surprised at like the vastness of it all and like how many different art worlds there are existing all at once and like what like what then no but i mean like we cross over with in like certain a certain circle or like a certain number of circles of galleries that like we all go to but then there are all these other galleries that like we just don't visit and like we just don't know about not only in like faraway places but also like right here in london yeah. and like that is really validating but also like terrifying because uh, how can we ever like exist in something so large perhaps but it's also yeah like an open-mindedness right to how many things are going on and like how many things that we just don't care about but also are really valid and important but that could also be quite liberating because it kind of means there is space and there's almost like infinite space for more galleries more artists and like when we did the first series of talk art five years ago people after about 12 episodes said well done you've done your podcast (laughs) you must have interviewed everyone by now yeah and a friend of mine was telling me the other day that art has many rooms and it's almost like the same for artists there's just these endless rooms of different artists and that's okay and you don't have to want to be in every single room (laughs) and in a way as a gallery you get to create your own world and share your vision which is only one tiny part you know a bit like a grain of sand or something to get poetic but yeah um it's beautiful thank you thank you i'm touched Um, actually by my own poetry so before we get to our final questions what are your current shows that are on now for people listening and why should they come along and see them um we have a new show opening actually on saturday with hamish perch an amazing young British sculptor. I met Hamish through his girlfriend, Songy, who's one of my closest friends, and they actually first met at Ginny and Frederick. Like, I set them up. Oh. Isn't that oh incredible? Oh, my God, like an art romance. Yeah. Love I this. mean, Songy, Songy... You're the new Cilla Black. Yeah, I, I, I hope. <laughs> or Davina McCall. <laughs> Davina McCall. Davina. I love Davina big, McCall. Big, big mother. shout-out to Davina, we love you. Yeah, big, she listens big to every episode. She listens yeah. to every episode. <laughs> um, I love Davina. Yes, um, yeah, Hamish sort of explores, uh, like, the vastness of the universe in these kind of amazing, like, new bronze sculptures. Um, and, yeah, that opens on Saturday until bronze. Christmas. So does that mean you had to, like, fabricate them? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of fabrication with Hamish, but um, he does a lot of it himself, so, oh, yeah, he's good with his hands. Great. <laughs> we have a show opening tomorrow, in fact, um, a first presentation in the UK for a, a New York-based artist called Amanda Baldwin, who um, plays on kind of genre painting and recasts the kind of uh, exploration around things like landscape. So she's kind of following in the legacy of George O'Keefe, Eileen Agar. Mm. I, I always pronounce this name wrong, but an incredible surrealist Eiffel Cook. Coquelin, who's incredible. Um, and she, yeah, she, she, she has quite a surrealistic approach, a very kind of impasto um, and quite constructivist in, in, their, in their form. So, yeah, looking forward to that. How do you know when you want to commit to an artist and, like, actually say to them, we want to do a solo show with you, not just a group show, because group shows are kind of sometimes easier, but sometimes not, actually. They can be quite complicated too. But, you know, when you, when you can suddenly decide, I want to do a solo show with you, and even to add them to your roster, because I know you've only got, like, four, five, six artists each, so it's, like, mm. a smaller thing at the moment. But what, what is that feeling? What is that process when you know, yes, I want your to commit? Instincts, yeah. yeah. I mean, mine's a bit obsessive, I think. You know, like, I have to really be obsessed. And then... I have to ask. <laughs> so that's often... Yeah, but, like, as What I, does obsessive feel like, then? What do you mean? I mean, you just, like... It's things you can't stop thinking about, or, like, I'm... Or can't stop thinking about how they made that or why they made that. And I think when you get that feeling, then you're like, oh, I'm really interested in working with this person and, like, getting to know them more. But as I said, like, a lot of my... I have... These are all pre-existing relationships that are, like, developing into some professional one as like i get more professional as well mm. so, have you got any friends that you haven't given a show to yes <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i mean it's not just like a club but like <laughs> um it could be yeah um but yeah that's sort of where my head's at on that i mean i would echo that you've, you've got to massively connect to the practice and it, it you know is something you can't stop thinking about um and then you know it's as we described earlier it's it's you know friends of friends but it, it's, it's a people's game really you have you know everyone we we work with um certainly long term it 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 does transcend that you know those those work it's not a work relationship i mean Mm. they are friends um they become friends um so it's 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 a process but i think yeah you've got to have that 
kind of obsessive belief in the practice um and then following on that that you know for a longer term relationship that connection is is crucial um but again that's why you know i well, certainly why i do it because you know we 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 love artists so we want to be around them spend time with them become their friends do you <laughs> collect as well and do you collect your own artist's work yeah i do yeah mainly from the program but some uh, yeah a little bit will you always buy a work at the beginning or earmark something or if, if there's work at the end that's available do you go i'll i'll, I'll Acquire one of those? Most likely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't keep the best yeah, for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take, I'll take what's left. Right, right, yeah. right. So if you, do you collect as well? I mean, uh, work on paper if I'm lucky. But yeah, it's always, it's always the what's left situation. Yeah. I'd, I mean, I'd love to dive in first, but I just can't. It would be quite interesting to see a show of like gallerist collections, like a group show yeah, or something, because yeah. it's often quite eccentric things people have. Or they're given gifts that are often quite off the wall like they're not necessarily what you'd expect from typical, the artist yeah, 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 yeah not not as typical yeah yeah i was recently given um a, a, a wonderful gift an artwork um a limited edition by a taiwanese artist we work with called steph wang and it was a plum not gin but it was a plum alcoholic uh, brew that she she'd made um and it was a limited edition of like 50 and she gave me one and i drank it <laughs> so you are now living on. So I'm now yeah. living on. I, I kept the bottle. But I can feel yeah. the vibration yeah, yeah, happening. Yeah. Well, that brings us on to uh, the first of our final questions. Thank you so much for this. If you could do an art heist, if you could have any work of art in the world for yourself to live with, what would that be and why? Mine would be a Lily Vanderstocker. Really? Mm. Yeah, for we sure. We interviewed her on the show yeah. when she did Camden Art Centre. Yeah, I'm really obsessed with her. They're like the gayest things ever. They are. So for <laughs> yeah. those who don't know her, who, who is she? <clears throat> Um, she's a Dutch artist. Is she Dutch? Yeah. So, yeah. And she is, I mean, she has a really wide ranging practice, but uh, a lot of it is based in these kind of wall based installation works that are quite cartoonish. And there's one called Darling from 1992 um, that I really love. It's sort of like a bulbous form. I think of it as quite motherly. Again, I'm obsessed with my mum. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I would take that also because it's like impractical and, you know, I'd probably never, will never own one. So, I mean, from listening to your podcast, there's this whole process of, like, you have to get the team to come and paint yes, it, right. and you can only do that at certain times or so many times. And You've also got to have a wall. Big exactly, enough, like, yeah, To have sure. a mural painted that won't be obscured by furniture. Yeah, sadly, the <laughs> one that I love wasn't in the Camden show, but, like, I mean, that was such a highlight, that show, to be able to see yeah, that work yeah. in the UK. Yeah, it was, like, such a treat. She was also really radical because she was making work in the 70s in New York at a time when, like, no one was... And also the work she makes weren't really being supported financially. So yeah. she yeah, was totally. all about ideas. Yeah, and she would go to a gallery for, like, two weeks and paint a whole wallpaper and a whole room and then, yeah. like, that would be the... I mean, yeah, she's a genius. And, uh, yeah, dreams. We'll cool. get you one of those. I mean, for me, it's quite a personal one. Um, my great-uncle, who, in fact, did, you know, to a certain... I didn't have much... He introduced me to a large extent to, to certain works of art. He, he collected in a kind of very ad hoc way. He was a film director called John Schlesinger, um, did things like Midnight Cowboy and wow. et cetera, et cetera. But he lived next door to... Not I don't know all these name dropping, but he lived next door to Hockney in LA for a long time, Plang. and Hockney did this Plang. incredible. It's a good port- name drop. If you're going to name yeah, drop, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's like one of the like, best. We love yeah, Hockney. I think, I think Bob Dylan was on the other side. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he Hockney did this incredible uh, portrait of my great uncle, and um, somewhere along the times of history, it was lost, and I don't know where it is. It wasn't. I don't know if it was lost by the family, my uncle, or, or Hockney, um, but we do have. Uh, we have a photocopy of what it was from an old photograph. So I'd love to kind of go back in time and reclaim that lost That work. could have been a stolen work. This might actually be a Maybe, real yeah, art Yeah, if heist. anyone's listening, um, please find it. Wow. Yeah. What is your favourite colours? <laughs> I, I get, I'm going to say navy. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, like very sensible. What, what, why navy, though? It's just like I would just like to wear, wear that colour. Really? Practical? Yeah. I like yeah, that. Not a lot. Of, like a I uniform. I'm not often practical, so I thought that was a good answer. <laughs> it's a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to... Well, I think Stone Island found this out before I arrived because they gave me this wonderful kind of baby blue jacket and, yeah, that's my favourite colour. It so. makes your eyes pop. Well, we're thank say, you so much. Yeah, the it's eyes. the colour yeah, of your eyes. eyes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And what is the, <laughs> what is the best uh, advice you've ever received in terms of, like, running a gallery? Pay your taxes. <laughs> Good right. yeah seriously like it's, it's terrifying it's really difficult to do stuff like that when you don't know about these things like 
I've never run a business before. I never even did my own taxes before. Whitecube did my taxes for me. So you just, yeah, genuinely, like, really, you need to have all your paperwork in the line. That's who, like kind of a Who gave you that advice? Someone who'd been caught out by Grace taxes. or Nigel or something? No, they haven't been caught out, but, like, you know, it was Grace or Nigel or, like, another gallerist that I've, you know, been friendly with. And, yeah, to, like, look after the paperwork, I think, and take that really seriously, which is, like, not something I did at the beginning and, like, had to really catch up. I mean, I'm lucky again because, as I said, Alex does all of that for me. So I <laughs> like I need Alex. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. great. He's really great. Yeah. I mean, trust. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, I think it, it sounds a bit cheesy and cliche, but but kind of and Nike, but just do it. Um, Paul Paul Nesbitt did say I said to Paul, I was like, I'd love to have a gallery, and he, you know, he, he just said, just do something. Um, and I think you know, Freddie obviously echoed that with just doing shows in in any formal fashion um, or context. And I think, again, we didn't just start the gallery as it is. We, we, we did a kind of show-by-show show studio project, and, and I think things can evolve. So just do, do it or do something, knit like it, and something might happen. Do you think there's a particular quality that gallerists have or share, like a psychology or, or something, just from the galleries that you know? I, I mean, I think it's, there's an... There is an you said the word obsessive earlier, but there's an obsess, obsessiveness to what you do partly because it's all consuming and i think if, if you're not obsessed by it, it the gallery may be around for a bit um but not that long or maybe you're doing it for different reasons but i think you know the the right people in the right galleries are i suppose i mean you've probably interviewed more more galleries i'm sure all of the ones you think about will have been obsessed by what they do 100 percent. well this has been amazing thank you so much guys thank you everybody for being here tonight um it's really good yeah, and thank you so much to uh, Freeze91, who is a membership organisation where you can actually sign up and join and participate and get things like this, this talk. And Stone Island is also partnered with Freeze91 as well as Freeze Focus, which is very cool. Yep. And thank you to everyone at Stone Island. And today is a very special day. It's somebody's birthday who oh. happens to be my best friend. Oh. And it's Mr. Russell Tovey. Me. And oh. uh, we have a surprise for oh. him. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Russell. Happy birthday to you. You've got a Stone Island cake, hun. <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone. That's very sweet. Cheers. I love that. Make a wish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> While he's cutting the cake, it's a Stone Island cake. <laughs> and actually, just for everyone listening, this, this partnership is really magic for us because about 12 years ago when they opened this very store, we stood outside on the street and Russell was obsessed since I've known... I met him in 2008 and since I met him, he's been obsessed with Stone Island. And he actually um, manifested... He, he said to me, I will one day be the face of Stone Island. So this collaboration is actually a thing that he, <laughs> he wants to be doing on his birthday. Yeah. So thank you to Stone Island. So guys, we're going to share your Instagrams. We're going to post images from everything we've spoken about today and of all your artists. Where can we find you on Instagram? Just at Jenny on Frederick. I mean, at public underscore underscore gallery. <laughs> Two <laughs> underscores. And you can also visit at Stone Island and um, at Freeze and at Talker. At Talker. Yeah, so thank you for coming, everyone. Let's get a really big cheer from you all before thank we you eat all. Russell's cake. We'll be back very soon. Yes. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank that's you so, so much. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening.